critical thinking is the most important skill you can have when you're living in a world that seems to have lost its mind. Everyone out there is trying to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. In every episode, I'm exposing the logical fallacies being used by advertisers, politicians, influencers, news outlets, social media memes, and maybe even your own best friend. Warning, listening to this podcast will cause you to see bad thinking everywhere. Welcome to the Filter Through a Brain Cell podcast. Hey, what is up, thinkers? Kathy Gibbons here. We are picking back up today with number two in our mini-series on statistical fallacies with my guest, Thomas McCuddy. But before we dive into today's fallacy, as I usually do, let's do a quick review of a fallacy we covered earlier this season, the circumstantial ad hominem. The circumstantial ad hominem happens when someone attacks an argument by saying that the person making the claim is biased, and therefore, they're only making the claim to serve themselves. This fallacy is also sometimes called an appeal to motive, an appeal to personal interest, or an appeal to bias. And yes, If this sounds familiar, it is a nuance of the ad hominem attack, which we covered back in episode seven. So the question to ask yourself, if you think you're facing the circumstantial ad hominem fallacy is this, are they even responding to the real issue? All right, if you want to review or hear more about this fallacy, go back and check out episode 141. And now let's dive into today's statistical fallacy with Thomas. We are talking about the Simpsons paradox. Okay, Thomas, let's dive into the next statistical fallacy. Wow, I have trouble even saying that one. This one is called the Simpsons paradox. How would you define the Simpsons paradox? So Simpsons paradox is uh, really that is is you're, you're looking at data of different groups and what happens and the reason why it's paradoxical is because you say okay this group likes this and this group likes this but when you combine them those distinctions might disappear uh so uh for example if you're looking at um a school and you you've kind of look and you say all right most guys like chocolate and most girls like vanilla and those are your ice cream choices and you put those groups together all of a sudden you see it's just a clear winner of vanilla and you're like where'd all my chocolate people go? You know, it's like, wait a minute, I thought we had this division. But uh, the the reason why it's it's paradoxical is it's counterintuitive. You think you would blend them together. But again, if you have a really small guy population and a really large girl population, that's why all of a sudden, nope, vanilla is the clear winner overall, even though guys are just gung-ho, like we we want chocolate. (laughs) Oh, super interesting. Okay. So it's saying when you combine different groups, you it changes the idea completely. It changes the outcome completely. It, it doesn't necessarily give you the outcome that you think when you're combining the two groups. Is that correct? It, it is. And it's also, uh, it works kind of the, the other way where if you're considering uh, another great example would be when you're considering uh, like voting, like we're coming up on an election year, right? Yep. So you look at a state and you've got a red state and you think, you know, oh, you know, hey, this state, when I meet people, you know, they they vote red, but you find yourself in a city that is blue and that is completely blue. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, what's going on? So when you look at the state and the pieces, you have these these cities that are clearly blue, but when you put all the group together, it's just overwhelmingly not that. And you would think, where, where did this go? How did this happen? You know, shouldn't there be 
shouldn't that move the numbers? And that's part of why it's a little counterintuitive that when you when you put these groups together, you might end up with different results that you didn't expect. Uh, it just depends upon the way the ways the numbers work. Okay, excellent, excellent. Do you have any other examples of the Simpsons paradox? So it could also be um, much like in in mathematics when you consider uh, most, especially when I was in school uh, a couple decades ago <laughs> doing math. Uh, the majority were were guys, and you consider you know they were trying to get women in and they saw these these trends and like hey women and i don't know if this is what was happening but you know oh we see among women they're preferring mathematics and so okay we got we got this group we see this we put all we pull all the students together and we're like but wait a minute it's it's overwhelmingly male what i thought there was the shift i thought we would see and and you don't and that goes into you know the number of of women that were going there and so this is this is why when you start uh, evaluating across demographics or, you know, when you start looking at, um, even maybe in church, you think, you know, Hey, children, teens, adults, senior adults, and what's going on and what do they want and how things are working? Uh, we seem to be, we seem to have a, a pattern. You put the whole church together and all of a sudden some of those desires or some of those results might just disappear because again, you're, you're now, uh, if if children's ministry is rather small compared to the adult ministry, you're not going to see those patterns. You're not going to see those trends anymore. And it could even lead like what the children's were want, children are wanting might even disappear. That might even not even make uh, the spectrum of what you're looking at. Interesting. Okay, so what is it? Give us a question. What is a question that we can ask ourselves to, if we think we might be facing a Simpsons paradox? What will help us clear it up? So the question is, what is this data pointing to? What is this, um, you know, uh, and and as you as you get your your data and you're looking at it, you start thinking, well, what happens when I start looking at subgroups? What happens when I start examining what are people really wanting to do? Um, and again, to use the church example, we say that, you know, let's say at the church seems to all want to go to Canada for a mission trip. And you start looking like, well, what if I break this up? What do the teens want? Break this down to a small group and you realize most of the teens want to go to Mexico. Oh, okay. Well, if you hadn't broken that up, if you hadn't examined it, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't see that. And so that's where you want to you ask, um, does the data change? Do we get different trends breaking it down according to different groups? Awesome. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate that. All right, guys, that's it for today. Remember, when you learn how to think, you will no longer fall prey to those who are trying to tell you what they want you to think. And it all starts with asking one simple question. Is this really true? I would love to hear from you. Do you have questions about fallacies and cognitive biases? Are you now starting to see and hear them everywhere around you too? Well, send them in. They just might get featured on the podcast. You can email them to me at think at filteritthroughabraincell.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at filteritthroughabraincell. And if you want to be notified about when new episodes come out and all the things that we're doing, go to www.filteritthroughabraincell.com and sign up to receive email updates. I would love it if you would help us on our mission to teach society how to think well. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with people in your life.